Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, July 31st. Last week, it was six events on the ATP and WTA Tour calendar. This week, it's a five-tournament follow-up act. As the action just continues to rock and roll in the pro tennis world, of course, what I want to do for all of you listeners here on today's show is set the scene at each of our five events, talk about who's playing where, what are the storylines you should be monitoring most closely after today's podcast? I just want all of you listeners, all of you tennis fans to feel comfortable and prepared for another exciting week in the tennis world. Of course, surface level, the numbers tell the tale. 11 top 25 players in the women's singles draw in D.C. You have six top 25 players on the men's side in Los Cabos, five more top 25 players in action, three top 50 players in Prague, and that's our typical late July, early August event that we'll see lower-ranked younger players have a plethora of opportunities in the draw. That similar event is probably Kitzbühel on the men's side, although to be honest, parts of the draw are pretty funky in Los Campos as well. 30,000 foot view. Again, just a nexus of things we love here at Crack Racket. So again, what I want to do on today's podcast for all of you listeners is preview each of our five events, set the scene so that all of you listeners feel prepared for another great week in the tennis world, of course. If you're looking for updates on everything else happening in tennis, not just the WTA ATP tours, but the challenger level, perhaps you want to know how players with college tennis ties are doing on the pros this year. Year, you can go check out our Great Shot podcast feed where we cover all of that at length. I don't know why I paused in presenting the Great Shot podcast. That's the OG show here at Crack Rackets. But Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, they steer the ship every Monday, recapping all the challenger action. John J. Parsons and I every Tuesday talking about those players with college ties and how they're performing in the pro world. I am hoping to have a junior-centric, excuse me, let's try that sentence again, leave it in. I am hoping to have a junior-centric podcast for all of you listeners this week as well as the USTA Boys and Girls 16s, 18s National Championships will start this weekend. Our Crack Rackets team is actually thrilled to be broadcasting that USTA Billie Jean King Girls 16s and 18s National Championships on our YouTube channel. We'll have coverage first ball to last. We're red zoning it. We're going 8 a.m. through the completion of play each and every day. We will be on the grounds at the Barnes Tennis Center. It's going to be really fun. Again, for those that don't know those Billie Jean King Girls 16s, 18s national championships. That's the premier event on the U.S. junior calendar. The winner of the 16s getting a wild card into the U.S. junior open draw. The winner of the 18s, of course, getting that coveted U.S. open main draw pro wild card. Again, you want to see the best of the best juniors in the world. Junior Wimbledon champ Claveri Nganue, Reese Brantmeyer, Liv Havdi, the best of the best. They'll be competing in San Diego. We'll have coverage first ball to last. As such, I want to preview that action for all of you listeners. And there's only one guest who could properly preview all of that. I'm a little bit intimidated because I haven't been as diligent in responding to her texts as I should have been. And thus, to ask her for a favor, I might feel bad. But I will try to 
plead with the GOAT, Colette Lewis, who is always far too generous with her time with us here at Crack Rack, and see if she will be willing to talk Kalamazoo, to talk San Diego with us. Hopefully, we'll have that podcast for you all sometime this week. But again, all that content, challengers, college, juniors, that's housed on the Great Shot podcast feed. New interviews available on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed that are pretty fun as well. And I'm going to try and grab a player or two who are around at Tennis Channel, former player, I should say, this week to try and spice things up on that podcast feed as well. All that content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review. Please share with your friends. It really does help us with the algorithms, with the sponsors. And speaking of which, a shout-out, as always, to the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. Latest, greatest equipment, the best prices, all one location, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 at checkout to let them know we sent you there. With that said, let's get into a five-tournament follow-up act that is this week on the WTA and ATP Tours. Let's start in my nation's capital, Washington, D.C., where we have a joint WTA-ATP 500-level event for the first time in a long time. And look, typically we have a David Kane or a Ben Rothenberg or, dare I say, a more integrated journalist to talk about this sort of storyline and I'm, I don't feel well prepared enough to discuss it but it is significant that you know it was a WTA 250 event last year in DC that 500 was over in San Jose and you know unfortunately for fans in San Jose they lost their event but I think joint events are the best thing in tennis to have the best men and women competing side by side it's just the best possible thing for the sport it invites the broadest audience And in the push for equal prize money, the WTA has said, if you are going to hold a joint event on your at your site, you are required to have joint prize money, uh, equal prize money, excuse me, by 2027. Hopefully, the and Mark Ein, the owner operator of the City Open, has shown nothing but an enthusiasm and eagerness to make that happen. Hopefully fans in D.C., and they always have, I think they conti- they will continue to, they'll show up and support this event because, again, 11 top 25 players in action on the women's side, six top 25 players in action on the men's side. You have the best Americans in the world, Pagula, Goff, Keys, Stevens, Fritz, Tiafo, Eubanks, Corda, and you have to put some respect on Chris Eubanks' name in that conversation given he has cracked the top 30 of the ATP singles rankings. It's a fantastic event in DC. I've had the privilege to be there to cover it. I'm both happy and sad. I can't be there this year. I'm sad because obviously I'm missing out. I'm happy because I've been in Los Angeles at Tennis Channel Studios on the call for T2, getting to participate in second serve. And obviously for me, that is a complete dream. So always enjoy my time out here. Nevertheless, let's talk about the action. Let's talk about the draw. Let's talk about the players. Let's talk about some of the things we saw on Monday uh, in DC. I'll start on the women's side of things. Those 11 top 25 players in action, Jessica Pagula, Caroline Garcia, Coco Goff, Maria Sakari, Daria Kasatkina, Belinda Bencic, Madison Keys, Victoria Azarenka, defending champ Ludmilla Samsonova, who, by the way, the free ride is over for Samsonova. And by that, I mean last year at this time, she wins City Open, she wins Cleveland, fourth round U.S. Open, another title to end the season. Where was it? Tokyo, I want to say. That's when 
Samsonova made her top 25, top 20 push. And obviously the first six months, she, and I talked about this storyline in January, she had the ability to perhaps make a top 10 push because she accumulated so many points down the season's home stretch and had very little to defend through the first six months. Well, you know, now things have flipped on their head. You look for Ludmilla Samsonova. Struggle is probably a bit too hyperbolic to describe the first half of her 2020 uh season, but she didn't make a top 10 push. Uh, she did sort of hold steady, but you know, you look for Ludmilla Samsonova, the number eight seed this week, who earned a definitive straight set victory in round number one over Danielle Collins, 6-1-6-3. You look at her 2023 record, Samsonova now 17-16 and overall in the year. She did make the finals in Abu Dhabi to start the season, round of 16 in Dubai, round of 16 in Madrid, but you know, again, second round Roland Garros, second round Australian Open, first round exit at Wimbledon, albeit a six and six exit, but that still counts. She's only made two quarterfinals since making that final run in Abu Dhabi back in February. She made the quarterfinals in Den Bosch, quarterfinals in Bad Hamburg. Now, again, grass courts, hard courts, obviously the faster surfaces are the surfaces that most amplify Ludmilla Samsonova's game. You look at the statistics for Samsonova this season, you know, the hold percentage is down. Part of that is a byproduct of the fact she's making 3% less first serves than she did last season. Everything else is held pretty constant from a number standpoint, which is actually pretty remarkable to see. I mean, her second serve win percentage has fallen as well, I suppose, uh, 6.5%, but Part of that is just she's also hitting more second serves than she did last season. So you play more second serve points, you're probably going to win fewer of them as that number expands. She's still a little one speed. Again, it's first strike. When she's on her front foot, she can be absolutely dominant. And for what it's worth, she looked absolutely dominant. Danielle Collins had no answer for her. Everything was on Ludmilla Samsonova's terms. She was teeing off on Samson, on Danielle Collins' second serves. Excuse me, Collins winning, you know, under obviously 50% of her second serve points in the match. I mean, again, it's crunch time for Ludmilla Samsonova. And to her credit, she answers the test. I think she's the biggest storyline to watch because you come into the week uh, right now, Ludmilla Samsonova, again, the number eight seed, a top 25 player. She's ranked 18 right now, but with the points coming off of her record, Samsonova, interesting, only fell three spots to 21 in the live rankings. Oh yeah, that's because last year this event was a 250. This year it's a 500. So Maybe this is the last spot for Samsonova to actually gain a chunk of points outside of perhaps better performances in Toronto, Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, Toronto and Cincinnati this year. Again, the 24-year-old uh, has the weapons. Her best day on this surface, we saw it last year when she went on a stretch where she won 36 of 38 sets and was just on fire. She has the ability to be dominant. And again... I think she is one of the players to watch this week in D.C. Look, it's a loaded draw. Again, top seed Pagula, 26% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. After that, uh, excuse me, Sakari, 12.6. Goff, 11.4. Of course, this week is extraordinarily relevant, you feel like, to the points chase. Coco Goff right now in ninth place, but she's 74 points behind. Carolina Mukova, she wins one more match in D.C. She'll jump Mukova for the eighth spot. Belinda Bencic can jump Mukova this week, and if she outperforms Goff, she likely will end up in that eighth spot as well. 
You have a player in Madison Keys who 15th right now in the points race. And of course, Keys has had her moments here this season who, you know, she wins the title in Eastbourne quarterfinals in Wimbledon, obviously started the year hot in Australia as well, helping to win United Cup, round of 32 at the Australian Open, quarterfinals Dubai, quarterfinals Charleston. Madison Keys this season, 25-9. and nine. Now she hasn't, you know, again, five of those wins came from the United Cup, so 20-9 in tour-level play. That's still a two-thirds win percentage. That, you know, when we've seen Madison Keys, she's put the results together. And strangely enough, there are two players right now who are both top 50 in the rankings and ranked top 10 in both hold and break percentage. One of them's obviously Iga. The other is Madison Keys. Again, is she a member of Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club? No, because she hasn't won that slam title yet. But she has had weekend privileges and can hang out there as often as she wants because her, like Samsonova, they just have those ability on the right weeks, on the right day to overwhelm their opponents. Keys versus Junction when round number one, you clear the schedule for. That is must-see, must-watch TV. That's a delightful first-round match. And, you know, across the board, I, I think there are a bunch of good first-rounders. I thought the match we saw today, Marta Kostyuk fights off three match points, 2-6-6-3-7-6 over Bianca Andreescu. Look, there's a broader BB conversation to have. I said this after Wimbledon and my recap podcast with David Kane. She was one of my most interesting players to watch this uh, down the home stretch of the final third because she has been healthy this year. She's played 30 matches in 2023. She's 15 and 15 overall. You look at her record in deciding sets, eight and five overall. Actually, that's way better than I thought it might be. Um, What's her record in three set matches? Let's find that out. Record in matches that go the distance. Wait, no, it is eight and five overall. So she's played 13. That feels low. Like it just feels like she's on the wrong end of so many three setters this year or six and fives or, you know, again, she's always so close, but just can't quite break through. I don't know. I mean, again, Marta Kostyuk played excellent today. And I thought this match was the Spider-Man meme. Two athletic, good moving Powerful players who can just do a little bit of everything. A great win for Kostyuk. Another head-scratcher for Bianca Andreescu. And again, she's someone I need to have a broader conversation with with someone on this show. I mean, she had three match points. Like, she had her chances. She had her looks. That match was played in the hottest time of day in D.C. And you could tell both players were feeling it down the home stretch, but both of them were clever and creative enough to hit drop shots, hit short angles, find ways to move forward and be the aggressor. That match was fantastic. Again, it's an excellent win for Kostyuk, who we have been high on on this show for quite a bit of time. Things have clicked for the uh, for Kostyuk here this season, who with this victory, by the way, up to a new career high, number 33 in the live ranking, still just 21 years old. If there was a women's next-gen final, she could play it this year. She's got a second-round matchup now with Caroline Garcia. That one's fascinating. That was by far your most interesting match of the day in D.C. thus far. Bencic, 6-5. She advances after Potapova, forced to retire. Lauren Davins threw 6-1 in the third over Sloane Stevens. Stevens had a million chances in the first set. Davis takes it in a breaker, 10-8. Those are your results thus far. Now, again, you look at the top half of the draw. Azarenka versus Fidelina, a really fun first-round match that's going on as I'm recording this Uh but again, Pagula, the top seed in that quarter. Sakari, the top seed, but she's got Chin Wen, Madison Keys, Jennifer Brady making her return to the tour level this week in D.C. 
It's a fun top half. I mean, for Maria Sakkari, where's Maria Sakkari right now in the points race? She's 19th. I mean, that feels right. Like, I know she's ninth in the live rankings. What what relevant runs have Maria has Maria Sakkari put together at big events? I know she made a semifinal Berlin. I guess semifinals Madrid, where she knocked out Bedosa, Begu, a win over Roos that's aged pretty well before getting knocked out by Sabalenka in the semifinals. Semifinals of Indian Wells as well, but first round of loss Roland Garros, first round of loss Wimbledon. Now she lost to Kostyuk, Muhova respectively. Third round loss Aussie Open, obviously tough as well. 19th in the points race. Wow. I mean, let's be fair. The margin between her at 19th and Karolina Muhova at 8th is fewer than 500, or is just over, excuse me, 500 points. It's 557 to be exact. She wins DC and nothing else would move. That gap would now be 57 points. So she's two good tournaments away from being right back in the thick of the mix. And one could argue she is objectively still in the thick of the mix, even at 19th. But who feels confident about Maria Sakkari right now? I, I just think she's one to watch, period. I mean, look, Coco Goff, again, she'll face the winner of Baptiste, the talented young American who takes on Carolina Pliskova round one. That could be fascinating. Every match is fascinating when you have 11 top 25 players in a 32-person draw. The women's DC draw is the best draw of the week. If you're going to make time to watch any event, I think that's the one to make time for. But look, the men's side ain't too shabby either. And we'll go there next, looking at the draw again. Six top 25 players in this draw. You have Fritz, Tiafo, FAA, Hercots, Dimitrov, and yes, Sasha Bublik, who is a top 25 player, as shocking as that is to say out loud. What's most fascinating about this draw in DC? All of it? I mean, again, everything's fascinating this week. I mean, the fact that it's a 64 draw and the top 16 players in the draw all get first-round buys, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Or not a 16, excuse me, a 48-person draw. That's where the top 16 can all get buys because then there are 32 players who have to play first-round matches, 16 people advance, plus 16 seeds. Now you have a round of 32 to rock and roll. You look at the favorites, according to Tennis Abstract, Taylor Fritz coming off of his Atlanta title, 21.8% favorite, but of course, he could have a rematch with Alex Vukic as early as the round of 16, Vukic taking on Brandon Nakashima. Actually, Nakashima might have won that match, and I, I, I think he did. No, it might not have finished yet. Correction, it hasn't finished yet, but that is a first-round match that is certainly fascinating. Nakashima versus Vukic, Nakashima looking to get his summer going. Again, can he take advantage of the wary Alex Vukic, who has had, will have two days off, I suppose, but or a day off. But again, that's, that's a match Brandon's got to take. The winner of that, by the way, going to face Andy Murray in the round of 32. That's no gift for either guy after a tough first-round match. It is fascinating to see Chris Eubanks with the 11th seed next to his name. And, you know, again... He'll face in his first round the winner of Lloyd Harris, who's been come on strong of late semis in Mallorca, quarters, I believe, in uh in Atlanta. He faces Kane Shikori, who of course made quarters last week in Atlanta as well. Adrian Manorino, no longer on the grass courts, but he's obviously been in exceptional form over the past six weeks. Confidence breeds confidence, so that's something to watch. Hercots versus JJ Wolf in on that as a potential round of sixteen. Bjorn Fratangelo. 
a favorite of ours here at Crack Rackets. He qualifies. He's back after dealing with so many injuries of late. Of all people to draw, he takes. He draws Gael Mofi, round number one. Mackey versus Dimitrov, round of 32 in. Rusevori Nishioka, round of 32 in. Can Ben Shelton get his summer going? He's going to take on... Uh, he has a rematch of his Atlanta first-round loss in Jerry Shang, the qualifier who gets a win over Emilio Gomez. And by the way, Shang slowly ascending the rankings, the 18-year-old now up to number 165 after he uh, gets a wins in back-to-back ATP tour-level main draws. It's a great draw all week long. And I do want to mention how hot it is in D.C. It was so, so scary. And unfortunate what happened to Wu Bing, who up 4-1 in the first set on Yasuki Watanuki today, passed out on court. Like, whether it was, it seemed to be heat-related. Now, again, I don't want to speculate. A formal medical report hasn't come out. He hasn't spoken about it yet. But obviously, they have to stop the match as he passes out on court. And, you know, again, that speaks to the conditions. I don't want to get it. I don't, I don't want to talk climate change, but if it gets hotter and relentless as it has been, June was the hottest June on record ever. July, I believe, is on pace. Still one day to go, but according to the projections, it's going to be the hottest July ever. You try playing 100 degrees, two and a half hours, that physical on hard courts. It's going to break people physically. And that is just a reality, unfortunately, I think we have to start considering. And I'm not, look, you have to play the elements. You have to play the conditions. That's part of the sport. I'm not suggesting anything else, but it's just scary. It's a scary prospect, a scary thought for a sport that is, again, played primarily outdoors when there is no escaping the sun. And boy, on that cement, it is just, it gets hot real quick. And so again, more than anything, we hope Wui Bing, he stays healthy, he stays safe, he recovers from this but a scary moment today in D.C., which is worth bringing to the attention of all of you listeners. (sighs) Predictions for the week? I mean, if we get Tiafo Shelton round of 16 and the winner of that plays Sebi Korda in the quarterfinals, that's Mark Ein's dream. I mean, preferably Tiafo because it's his home tournament in D.C., and the longer you have him, the more butts are filled in seats no matter what. Tiafo Corda quarterfinals. I would be in on that. How's Felix playing? It just feels like he's been dealing with so many different injuries on and off this season. You look for Felix, who obviously has a cache of points from the end of the season, but he's 47th in the points race. If you would have told me last November, October, when Felix was cruising, that he would be 47th in the points race come July, I'd say, what, was he out for three months? And he kind of has been, but it's time for Felix. You know, again, he's rock and rolling. Hopefully he's healthy. I want to see him regain his form this week in D.C. I do think he is a player to watch most closely as you look at the City Open. But again, it's a fantastic draw. Six top 25 players in action. You know, four more top 30 guys if you include Manorino, Eubanks, Corda, Evans. 16 top 50 players overall. A third of the draw is top 50 guys. If you're going to make time for any event this week, I'll say it again. Make it the City Open, whether it's the men's side, the women's side. There will always be good tennis going on in the nation's capital, which full circle is why it's great to have these joint ATP WTA events because it just ins- – I mean, at one, we had Eubanks and Corda. No, no, that's not right. We had Eubanks and Corda. that is right, versus Tiafo and Hercots today in doubles, and it was a match I was watching as – hanging out at the second serve desk for tennis channel it was packed crowds were packed 
respect. And again, that's the Francis difference in DC. It's his hometown. I've been there when Francis plays. I was there for a Francis Kyrgios match. That's one of the most fun environments I have ever been to in a pro tennis match. DC shows out to show love for Francis Tiafo as they should. Um, and they showed up, you know, again, you have Eubanks in the match. You have a top 20 guy in Hubie. You have the young sensation, Seppi Corda as well. People showed up for doubles. It was sick. Again, great crowd in D.C. today. A shout-out to Mark Ein. A shout-out to tournament organizers. That is the premier event on the calendar this week. But the good news is there are three others as well. And let's – I don't want to say rapid fire, but we'll go through those a little bit more quickly. Let's start on the women's side in Prague. Your biggest upset of the day, Jacqueline Christian, 4-18 and over her last 52 weeks. Just three victories here this season. Now, of course, she missed a significant chunk of time with a knee injury last year, still working her way back. But God, did she need this victory as much as Marie Bozhkova did. And that's what made the match so exciting. You could feel the tension, feel the desperation in the best possible way. No one was, le- you know, everyone was emptying the tank, these two. The match was extraordinarily physical. Christiana had the biggest weapon on the court in her forehand. And ultimately, that's why the 25-year-old Romanian, 6'4", 4'6", 6'4", she advances. It was a break fest. There were 11 breaks in the first 18 games of the match. But every point was a little bit different. Every point was 10 to 15 shots. Every point, excuse me, shots. Just, it was great tennis. It was really delightful to be on the call for that one. And again, Jacqueline Christian needed that victory just to get her summer going to try and make another top 100 push. And right now, the 25-year-old back up to number 118 with the victory. She can get back up to 111 with a win in the, uh, excuse me, in the next round over either Platsova or Arango. Again, neither player inside the top 100. A very winnable opportunity for Christiana. Now, obviously, the entire top half of the draw opens up after she's taken out the top seed. Look, all the seeds have struggled of late. Boshkova's under 500 for the year. Let the record show now. Marie Boshkova, who did make a round of 16 at Wimbledon. Those points will keep you in the top 50, but she's 14 and 18 overall on the year. She's lost uh, six of her last nine matches. And again, all three of those wins came at the best time at Wimbledon. But again, for, it's so responsive. It's so reactive and Sometimes when Boshkova tries to generate pace, that's when the forehand can spray on her. Look, top seed's knocked out right away in Prague. Things get interesting. And just some names to throw at all of you. Again, the two-seed Julin, after her rocket start to the season, things slowed down during the clay court season. She had a stretch where she lost uh, six of seven. Semied in Birmingham, round of 16 last week in Warsaw. Now a win here, uh, excuse me, now looking to get things going with a win over Vic Meyer here in Prague. She needs a big week, you know, third seeded uh, here this week. Who's the number three seed this week? Did she pull out? Oh, no, no, no. Jung Shui has obviously struggled uh, quite a bit of late, I believe, when you look for Jung Shui. She is now overall on the season, uh, yeah, 4-17 and 17 overall. She hasn't won a match since winning first round in Lyon back at the end of January. So she's looking to get things going. She's got a tough first-round match as well, t- uh, taking on Yua Yuan. That's a very winnable match, though, for sure. Um, but look, this week's all about the youngsters. Clara Tawson, Wang Shiyu, Linda Naskova, Elvina Kalieva, the young American you haven't heard about in the top 200. Lucy Havlikova, 2022 Junior French Open champion. 
Julie Niemeyer ain't exactly old. This week's all about the youngsters in Prague. This is the, your typical late July, early August tournament where, again, opportunities are abundant for countless young players as they look to ascend the WTA rankings. So I think this is the Claritas. I mean, I, I think every week is the Claritas and week. This is the Claritas and week. Give me a toss in Noskova final. That's the final tennis fans are hoping for. Two young players who have the goods. Do they have the confidence? Do they have the, the complete package yet? Again, the answer is no, but they will continue to work towards that. They have the skills to be there. I would say those are the players to watch most closely in Prague. That's where the youngsters may have another week to shine uh, on the WTA Tour. That said, your other two ATP events happening in Los Cabos and Kitzbühel. Let's go to Los Cabos now where we have five top 25 players in the draw. Tsitsipas, Nori, Chorich, Demonauer, and interestingly, Tommy Paul, who instead of going to D.C., Tommy elects to head to Los Cabos. I don't really care about the scheduling, to be honest. You know, again, Tommy, if you'd rather go spend a week in Mexico, go do your thing. Where was Tommy last week? I feel like we saw him. No, no, we saw him in Newport. We haven't seen him since. Again, it's a good draw across the board uh, this week in Los Cabos, and you know, again, I'm recording this before any of the action has gotten underway, so we can just do a straight draw preview here. And it's always nice to have Los Cabos because that is it, – it just starts later in the day given how hot it is during the day. They play those matches late into the night. It's the one that gets funky. I mean, who? there are some guys with massive opportunities. I mentioned the top 25 players in the draw, but how about a guy like Omni Kumar who a few weeks ago was competing on the USTA SoCal Pro Circuit, uh, Pro Series on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, that series of 15K events in Los Angeles. He gets in through qualifying into the main draw. You know, the former Duke player now, a chance at a first-round win against a guy in Alexander Kvasevich, who, again, it's a massive opportunity for both guys to earn tour-level victories, work their way towards the top 100 in particular, if you're Kova, who's oh so close to it. Dom Koford, the seventh seed, he's got a shot to leverage all the success momentum he's built of late. Guys like Skander Mansouri through, through, through through qualifying. I, sorry to get the through out twice was tricky for me. He's got demon first round, but if you haven't seen the former Wake Forest All-Americans weapons, that one's just going to be a fun contrast of styles. Guys like Jason Jung, Ernesto Escobedo, Gab Diallo, Rinky Hijikata. It's a week for massive opportunities for guys with former college tennis ties, for guys with, uh, for guys outside the top 100 of the rankings. Yes, there are some highlight names. Again, Tsitsipas, Chorich, Demon, Nori, Tommy Paul. And for Demon and Tommy, they got to be kicking with themselves that they're the ones who end up in the same draw. Also, for Tsitsipas, he faces the winner of Hijikata Isner round one. He could then face Nicolas Yari in the quarterfinals. Those are just two big serves that will test that return for Stefano Tsitsipas. So not exactly a delightful quarter for him either if even a Gab Diallo in form, if he can get through a Yari, that's not an easy matchup just given the size, the weapons he can throw at Tsitsipas. Massive opportunities. That's the name of the game in Los Cabos right now. Tsitsipas, 33% favorite. Nori, 20%. Demon, 13-7. Tommy, 12-6, but it's because they're in the same section. Then Chorich, 12.1. This is a great chance for him to get things right before he has to go defend 1,000 points in Cincinnati. That's your draw in Los Cabos in Kitzbühel. Let's get funky. 
let's get on the clay because that was the one thing we were missing on the schedule this week, right? And thus, it's not a shock to see French Open semifinalist Thomas Martin Echeverry playing on the clay courts. Echeverry, uh, semifinalist, I mean quarterfinalist, excuse me, the top seed this week. In Kitzbühel, number two seed Yannick Hanfman, who the majority of his tour-level quarterfinals have, of course, come at on clay courts. Uh, he made a quarterfinal a couple of weeks ago, round of 16 loss last week to not Altmaier. Who knocked him out? Oh, my God, I called the match. I can see Oh, Jung Ji Zhen. Tough first round for Hanfman. He'll face the winner of last week's Umag champion, Alexi Paparin, or last week's challenger champion in Arthur Rinderkanesh. Two big serves, big forehands to come at Hanfman. That'll be a fun first match for the number two seed. Jung Ji Zhen going to take on Dushan Lajevic. That's a fun first round match. Dominic Team back in action. He gets to face Facundo Bagnus again, who he beat last week. Three seed, Pedro Kashin. Uh, who obviously won a title recently on clay. Fourth seed, Seb Ofner, Laszlo Jura, who was a finalist last week in Hamburg. The five, Roberto Carbeas baena already a winner this week. Uh, the six, I mentioned Lajevic. The seven, Altmaier, now a top 50 player. Your number eight seed, one-handed backhand, gets a tricky first-round matchup against the big lefty, Marc-Andre Hussler. Right now, Echeverry, 15.2% favorite. Those are your highest odds. Ofner then 11-4. A lot of guys in the 8 range. Yura, Kashin, Hanfman's a 9-7. What they're telling you is they think it's anyone's ball game this week in Kitzbühel. And that's the early match. That's the one I think I'm going to get the chance to call a bunch during T2. So I'll have more on Kitzbühel tomorrow. We missed the bulk of it today because Tennis Channel Linear or TC that you see on cable took it from us. They didn't take it from us. It was just the premier match available, and we were on Boshkova-Christian, which, again, I can't complain about because I think those were the better matches uh, happened in Prague early. But again, that is your update on your five tour-level events happening this week, another jam-packed week, a five-tournament follow-up act, not too shabby considering we saw six last week. And then, of course, next week we head to Canada for a 1,000-level event. The week after, we're in Cincinnati. And then before you know it, it'll be the U.S. Open. So, of course, we know it's our job here at Cracked Rackets to take you through the summer hardcourt swing, to keep you up to date on all the events, all the latest developments. We will continue to strive to do so here on this mini-break podcast feed and on our other uh, shows, excuse me, whether it be The Great Shot podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, of course. All that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the <laughs> of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out, as well, to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. And last but certainly not least, again, if you have YouTube TV, if you have a Samsung device, you want to hear me in action. I start at 8 a.m. Uh, Pacific each and every day. I'll be on the call on T2. So tune in. Let me know what you think. Tag me at AL Gruskin. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed getting some texts from some friends who are like, yo, I'm on YouTube TV and I scrolled by T2. Is that you? Because I thought that was your voice. And I get to go, it is my voice. And they go, that's very funny. And so I always enjoy those interactions. Always appreciate the support. T2 starting at a.m. Pacific, Tuesday through Friday, the rest of the week. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.